Welcome to the Clinical Pharmacist podcast, where we discuss interesting topics related to clinical pharmacists in general practice. My name is Runa. I'm your host. Uh, I'm the clinical lead of CPS and the training and development manager of Clinical Pharmacists Academy. Welcome back to the Clinical Pharmacist podcast. We've had a very long break and we are kicking things off again. Today, we have a very interesting guest. We've got Naira Salim, who is a clinical pharmacist in the Mid-Essex Braintree area. She is, she's been qualified for just over a year. So she's still very early still in her career, but she's achieved quite a lot already. She's very active on social media with 135,000 followers on TikTok, where she educates the public on various health topics. She's also been a guest on this morning show with Philip Schofield and Alison Hammond, where she discussed how a pharmacist can help the general public with their health queries. And she's also a presenter on the health show on Sky Channel 752, where she's interviewed various guests and discussed various health topics. So welcome, Neera. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad I've got the opportunity to, you know, come on, share my experience and hopefully inspire, you know, other young pharmacists listening to this. Yeah, well, I mean, you've certainly inspired me. As I said, you've only been qualified as a pharmacist for just over a year. And in, in such a short time, I feel like you've achieved so much. So it's really inspirational. So we've we want to discuss various things today, particularly the role of the GP pharmacist um, in general practice. And I'd like to hear from your experience, what, what's it been like for you as a clinical pharmacist in primary care? Maybe we could start off with how you got into the role and why you chose this sector as opposed to the hospital sector or the community pharmacy sector. Yeah, definitely. So, so far, I'm actually really enjoying my time working in primary care. Now, I graduated in 2019. I was one of those graduates where I wanted to kind of get experience in, in many different fields as I can. So all throughout uni, I got experience in the community, retail side of pharmacy. I enjoyed hospital placements, but now I actually really wanted to get my foot into the door into primary care because I knew my long-term goal was to actually become a prescriber and possibly even work in my own private clinic one day. So I always kind of had a, a five-year plan for myself, even throughout uni. So I knew as soon as I graduate, get that experience in primary care and see how a pharmacist can really actually help the wider community alongside the doctors. And um, I remember going on LinkedIn and searching primary care roles because LinkedIn's been such a good, powerful tool uh, for job search nowadays. And I came across, you know, Clinical Farm Solutions and where I spoke to one of the directors, Mahmood, and had a really interesting conversation and phone call uh, about primary care and just applied for my current role um, uh, in Braintree Essex. And so far, it's really eye-opening experience because the pharmacy role in itself has really changed and revolutionized over recent years, you know. Not only are we just being able to, to legally screen a prescription, we're actually having more of a say when it comes to making patient decisions, optimizing the healthcare to the, to our best abilities. And um, that's definitely a sector I'd I'd suggest to a lot of new pharmacists out there to, to explore. Mm, okay. And that's that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, I mean, I think it's fantastic that Mahmoud made contact with you and we're really proud to have you as part of our our team. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of the typical day-to-day -day life as, as a GP pharmacist? What does a typical day look like for you? Yeah, sure. So, um, wake up, obviously get ready and on my way to the surgery. And now the first thing I usually do is obviously make sure my room is nice and clean because I like a clean space, clean mind. And I make sure 
all my tasks within a surgery are completed. So within the GP surgery, I'm currently splitting my day in half. So in the mornings, I usually do patient consultations. Uh, I usually do on average about 12, 20 minute consultations. Now these consultations are structured medication reviews. Uh, so for patients with long-term conditions, you know, we're talking about asthma, we're talking about hypertension. You know, the good thing about working primary care is you get to see a variety of different patients with loads of different clinical backgrounds. So I know I know COVID has had such a huge, huge impact on them having face-to-face reviews. And a lot of patients are now just speaking to doctors and pharmacists over the phone. Uh, but it's only recently I'm starting to actually bring patients where I can actually build that kind of rapport and trust with them. Uh, so I usually start off my, my day looking at my patient schedule, you know, organi- organizing myself. And in between my consultations, so usually on average, they're about 20 minutes for good, thorough uh, structured medication review. And in between my consultations, I'm answering a lot of patient medication queries. Now that could be, you know, with the dispensary, that could be with the doctors. Um, we usually get a lot of tasks sent. So each um, pharmacist would would get familiar with their online system. So it's either, for example, System 1 or EMIS, and everyone gets a, a good live uh, notification box as well, which they can answer um, different queries throughout the day. So I make sure, you know, all my tasks are kind of organized and, and done in an effective manner. So once all my dispensary queries are done and going to all the doctors and um, answered all the doctors' questions, I go for through um, all clinical letters, so discharge summaries, so making sure all medications usually up to date. So in primary care, medicine reconciliation is a really important step, you know, making sure throughout a patient's journey, all their medications are up to date to prevent any prevent any medication related errors and, you know, possible hospital admissions. So that sort of um, patient and pharmacist communication is uttermost key and you know throughout my job day to day Uh, and also you know working uh, for a primary care network so collection of um, GP surgeries um, cost effectiveness is also part of my day-to-day role so once I've finished the morning you know all my consultations and I've completed all my tasks I make sure I have a bit of time during the day where I can fit you know medicines optimization uh, into my schedule and uh, one big thing about medicines optimization is you know not only making sure medicines are you know are safe uh, you know they're prescribed according to guidelines but also making sure they're cost effective for the practice and also for the PCN um, so I play a really big role in making sure um we can kind of cut costs where we can um, but without kind of compromising that patient safety uh, I can definitely go on and on um, about medicines optimization it is one um, topic that I am really passionate about but the, the good thing about primary care as well at the moment is is that a there's a lot of flexibility with the role. So I've had the really good opportunity to actually uh, start uh, my own quality improvement project within the surgery. And we can definitely, you know, touch on that uh, a bit later on. If, yeah, no, uh, definitely. But, but yeah. Def- a lot of, you know, doors open there for, for, for young pharmacists now that are newly qualified. I see. Yeah. And I think um, it, it sounds like you've got a good mix of things that you're getting involved in. And a lot of the things that you did mention, I think they're quite, you know, it's typical for, I'd say, a lot of pharmacists getting into the role. And I would say it's it's a very good representation for what a pharmacist might be doing when they first transition. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. How would you say that you've sort of embedded yourself in the sort of GP surgery team? What advice do you have for others, if you do have any, uh, to work effectively for a pharmacist in this new role? Yeah, this 
is a really important, good question, actually, because the pharmacist role in, a, in primary care in general is such a new role. You know, a lot of the nurses, the physiotherapists, the paramedics that I work with, you know, they, they were pretty surprised that a pharmacist even works in the GP surgery because none of them actually know how a pharmacist can help. A lot of people still have that kind of old fashioned view of what a pharmacist does. And, you know, they should only be, you know, behind the counter, etc. So step one of, you know, working within primary care or all your chosen GP surgery is to really educate your your colleagues and and find out from them how you can help them. And the best way I am uh, I did that was to actually kind of go through the jobs specification and the DES framework, we call it. Um, so it's kind of like the framework covering um, the different roles and responsibilities of each healthcare professional in primary care. So I had a good opportunity really to kind of host a meeting uh, with my dispensary staff and, and a lot of the, the doctors in my practice telling them, you know, what a structured medication review is, you know, why they're important and how a pharmacist can really help reduce any medication related errors and kind of optimize patient care within um, the surgery. And also even getting the receptionists involved in that is really important because uh, a lot of the receptionists you know they might not actually know you know how the pharmacist can help and that's and step one of kind of reducing the workload of doctors is making sure everyone a part of the GP surgery knows the roles and the key skills that each individual can bring under the surgery's roof so clarifying your role with others and speaking up um, to your colleagues to kind of identify how you can help them and what they need help in really helped me with my current role like I said for communication is key and uh, you can be quite quite shy to initially you know approach new colleagues but when you set out that email set up the meeting uh, it gets much easier as you go on okay yeah that's really interesting I think so yeah I guess the, the key takeaway from that is you know educating your colleagues because uh, as you said you know they may not know what what you can and can't do um, and it's interesting that you mentioned receptions as well and I think you know sometimes people underestimate the influence that the receptionist staff have, but I feel like they're probably one of the key members in the general practice team. They're the gateway to the patients. So I think it is very important to get them involved and let them know exactly what you can and can't do. I remember when I first um, started out, I had like a list of things that I could do and the sort of things that I would, wouldn't be able to see. So for example, young babies or pregnant um, patients. So yeah, I think that that's very good advice. Um, definitely educating your colleagues is key to get yourself settled in, embedded into the role um, and make sure that they're utilizing you to the fullest potential. Okay. And so I know I touched in the intro about you being quite active on social media. As I said, you've got 135,000 followers on TikTok, which I think is fantastic. As well as you giving us some tips for, for a pharmacist to have a successful career um, in the general practice setting. As I said, we know that you're still quite early in your career as a pharmacist. Uh, and in that short time, I think you've done an amazing job um, to get yourself embedded in the role uh, and also become quite popular with your, with your social media as well. What tips do you have for other pharmacists for a successful career? Yeah, no, good question. And, and thank you. I, I think uh, number one is really to, to kind of set goals for yourself 
yourself. So a lot of people think learning and the education and making impact stops, you know, after uni and that's it. But really, you know, once you do qualify, I know once you do settle into your kind of first job, um, that whole learning experience and, and connecting with people and networking with, with others around you is kind of like a continuous process. So, you know, even for our university and, you know, when I first graduated and started my role in primary care, I always used to think about how can I take this, my career, you know, one step further? How can I really educate patients beyond just the consultation room? And I found out that, you know, LinkedIn and social media were going to be my two next best friends, you know, throughout my career. And not only would it be able to network with other people through social media, but also kind of address the common misconceptions you see online. So I remember scrolling at one time on TikTok and Instagram myself, and um, there was a lot of misinformation out then. And I noticed there were there was a lot of, you know, social media doctors, but not enough actual pharmacists out there. Mm. Uh, so I did really want to kind of open the doors for pharmacists, you know, getting into social media. A lot of people think that, you know, just because you're a healthcare professional, you, you're not really allowed to be on social media. Mm. But, you know, it's 2022, you know, we're living in a generation where everything is digitalized. And if you're not keeping up with the social media, you can kind of fall behind. And that was how happening, happening a lot with, uh, you know, medical information. There's been so much outdated um, medical myths that are online that I really wanted it to address. So that was one goal I kind of set out for myself was to one, kind of break down the barriers and, and the stereotypes for pharmacists, mm-hmm. but to also address the endless amount of uh, misinformation out there regarding, you know, the COVID vaccine, regarding medication uh, and just general health myths. So I'm glad that TikTok kind of gave me that opportunity to kind of build a build kind of like a fan base of um, healthcare and pharmacy enthusiasts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I feel like, as you said, in this day and age, you can have so much more impact if you just utilize these digital platforms that we have. And you're just proof that it does work. Um, and I think more people should sort of take a leaf out of your book, sort of add to that. So you mentioned that you headed a a quality improvement project um, at the PCN that you're at. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what you actually did? Yeah, definitely. So um, a quality improvement project is really a project or an audit, should you say, that gives you uh, the pharmacist the opportunity to actually monitor and change an aspect within the GP surgery to improve patient outcomes. So I'm currently actually performing a a QI project on the use of high dose opioids or dependence forming medications in the surgery. So my aim is really to kind of reduce the amount of, you know, the gabapentins, Procablins, you know, the high, all the high-risk drugs um, within the surgery. Uh, you know, and the good thing about these QI projects is, you know, ties into my previous point on medicines optimization, is it really gives gives the pharmacist the opportunity to, to monitor high-risk medicines within, within the actual practice and kind of... Um, reduce the overprescribing of medicines and uh, reduce that medicine wastage because you know medicine medicine wastage um, is another really big problem for the NHS right now and and I think um pharmacists can play a really big role within that sector and when it comes to audits uh, and making a change over time we are the best people when it comes to auditing and making changes with medicines because we deal with the medicines every day this project be starting in beginning of July and it will take me all the way into 
until December to really kind of implement changes that, that I'll draft and then would probably re-audit after a while or beginning of next year uh, to see if um, any of the changes I've implemented has improved um, patient outcomes within the surgery. Uh, so it's a really good chance to actually make a wider impact in the surgery and also some good kind of opportunity to, to add to your CV to say that, yes, you know, I've worked in primary care and I've actually made a change in the environment that I've been working in. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's really interesting. Hopefully you do get some fantastic results. I'm sure you will. Uh, very brave of you to tackle that area because we know it can be quite difficult, especially having some of the, those difficult conversations with those patients, especially when it comes around, comes to um, opioid addiction and whatnot. It's definitely much needed. So I think it's a fantastic, you know, quality improvement project that you you've taken on Uh, but it'd be nice to get some update um when when you do get some so naira why do you think you know in your opinion why are pharmacists important in primary care good question i think it currently you know we all know that g many gps are actually overworked at the moment and you know having clinical pharmacists in gp practices now means that gps can actually focus their skills um where they are most needed for example seeing patients the face-to-face and instead having the pharmacist take over when it comes to structured medication reviews and improving patient safety. And the good thing about pharmacists is that we can take that holistic approach. You know, not only are um, we familiar with diagnosis, but we are familiar with, with the treatment pathway and the non-drug therapies that, that can be uh, available to a lot of patients out there. You know, we are good at picking up red flag symptoms and we do know when to refer patients when needed. Um, so the good thing about having pharmacists there is that we can uh, take a different angle to a lot of patients healthcare and kind of reduce, identify and reduce any medication risks when it comes to patients and their treatment. Mm, definitely. I think that's a very good answer. I couldn't agree more. Okay, Naira, it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you today. Thank you again for your time and sharing all your insights with us. If anyone listening wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way of them to do that? Yeah, you could um, follow me on TikTok. So my name is Naira.Saleem. And and definitely thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I hope I've actually inspired some pharmacists out there that are listening to definitely, you know, set a new goal uh, and step outside your comfort zone. Thank you, Naira. I'm sure you have. It's N-Y-R-A-H dot S-A-L-E-E-M. Naira Salim. Okay, thank you very much, Naira. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Clinical Pharmacist Academy, supporting pharmacists to transition into the general practice sector and accelerate their career as a clinical pharmacist. For more information about our academy, visit cpaweb.org.uk.